about anger and resentment today. And what brought the, it about was my youngest son, Jeremy. Uh, two and a half, three years ago, he was living in Florida, and uh, he had a huge job um, where they brought in people from all over, and one of the men that they brought in was from California. And so it was a huge mall project they were doing. And so um, Joe uh, asked Jeremy if he would take lead, and he mentored him through this job. Jeremy was so thrilled, and so when it was over, Joe said, how about going to California, becoming part of the, my team? So J Jeremy was so excited. I mean, he just loved this guy. He couldn't say enough about him, so yep, he packed up, and boom, off he went to California. Fast forward to December, and he'd call, and I, 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 we'd hang up, and I'd say to Sam, he's so resentful. He's so resentful. Every time he called, you could hear the resentment building and building and building. The last time he called, it was bitter. There was so much bitterness, anger and hatred towards this man that several years earlier he just couldn't say enough about. And I began to wonder, you know, what in the world happened? There was no big blow up. There was no big incident. And then I kept watching, and, I, and in other relationships, I began to hear people speaking, and there was so much resentment. My sister and her son, you know, a, fr a friend and their child. Uh, uh, even experiences I had with Sam, one day he got mad, and, and, he, and he said, you always do that to me. And I was like, ooh, it's resentment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, babe. I'm going to lay myself out in a little bit, too. <laughs> so why the big rock? Because we all know as Christians that we have to forgive. And when it's weighted like this, this, this thing is heavy. I am not going to carry this thing around. I'm going to be looking for some place to get rid of it. I'm going to look for help, and I'm going to set it down because it's heavy. Okay? I just carried it from the back. My arms are like, oh. But this I picked up earlier, a tiny rock. I've carried this all morning. I even forgot I was carrying it. I dropped it and had to pick it back up. And let me tell you, a lot of us do that with offense. You know, we put it down for a second, but all of a sudden we pick it back up. Okay? So that's what I want to talk about is resentment. And when I think about Jeremy, it wasn't a big incident that caused him. He called during the week and he said, I quit my job. I got into it with Joe and I just quit. And I'm thinking, you just bought a house in California. I know what that house cost, you know? But that, all that resentment, what was it? It was, I'm working over 60 hours a week for over two years. It was, you haven't given me a raise in three years, but you keep telling me, it's coming, hang in there, it's coming, it's coming. It, it was, I needed a day off, and you wouldn't give it to me. It was that you push and push and push, and you want more and more and more. It's that I feel treated unfairly, and I just keep pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down, and sooner or later, 
anger does not just dissipate. It doesn't just disappear. We carry it in our bodies, and it affects our bodies physically. It affects us emotionally and mentally. A lot of times, not all the time, please don't hear all the time, sometimes, and probably a lot of the time, depression has to do with unresolved anger. And we turn it in on ourselves, and we become depressed. You know? So uh, it's an emotion. Like all the other emotions God gave them to us, they're not right or wrong, right? Anger, anger is great. It's an indicator. It says something's not right inside, you know? Um, and we know there's righteous anger, right? Uh, that's motivated by love. I see some injustice or somebody being mistreated, and out of love, it moves me to act. So it's not always a negative, okay? Um, so, I asked the Lord, teach me about resentment. And so he began to teach me, and I learned best through experience, and so I'm going to have to share some of my experiences. So, it, please don't judge me. I'm a work in progress, okay? So it was uh, Labor Day weekend. The trash went out a day later, and, and there's not much trash right now. You know, it's not like we're celebrating in the basement anymore. So we were sort of like, well, we'll just leave, leave the trash, and we'll collect it, and then we'll just bring it home and put it out with ours. Because you can consolidate all into one bag. It's not bad. But the next morning, I happened to wake up early, and I said, oh, I'm going to go clean. It was like 10 to 7 in the morning. I'm going to go clean. So I hurried up, and... Okay, I brushed my teeth and brushed my hair. I put on scroungy clothes because I'm cleaning, and I shoot out the door, and who do I see coming down the road? The garbage truck, the garbage men, and I said, I can beat them. <laughs> Game on. So I came in here, I pulled in the parking lot, unlocked the door, ran up the, I was grabbing trash, just stuffing it in bags. I was going to beat them, and I did. I flung open the door, and I can see them, and I was like, I can still beat them. So I start running through the parking lot with these trash bags, and now they're right across the street, kitty corner, and I got one foot in the street and one up on the curb, and while I'm running through the parking lot, the one who's driving does this. And he is just chuckling away. The other guy is collecting the trash from across the street. So I step out to give him my trash. He hops up on the truck. He smiles, gives us a little wave, and they pull off. And I'm standing there with trash. And I was like, so I did this, whatever. And I dropped my trash. And I thought, I'll drop it right by so when they come out that side street, maybe they'll pick it up because it's right there for them. So I come in the house, uh, into the church, and I start cleaning. Probably five minutes. And I said this, Lord bless them, if they pick up the trash. <laughs> and if they don't, not so much. And I heard the Lord say, is that how I grace you? I was like, sorry, Lord. Go ahead and bless them, like you needed my permission. You think it's over? No. <laughs> About five minutes later, I said this. They don't take that trash. I'm going to bury them next week in trash. I'm going to clean out the janitor's room. I'm going to clean out the junk room. I'm going to go up and get the flowers and toss them out. I am going to 
cover the lawn with bags. It's going to be from one end to the other. They're going to be buried in trash. And I hear the Lord say, retaliation? It's like, ooh. Now I have to say this. Bless them, Lord, but help me because there's something not right with my heart. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. Do you think it really had anything to do with trash? No, nothing to do with trash. They say anger is a secondary emotion, meaning there's always something underneath it. It's hiding something that's a little more vulnerable. I was already prepared to take the trash home in my car. It wasn't a trash thing. It was about how I felt. How did they make me feel? What vulnerable emotions got triggered? That's what it was about. We always think, uh, I said before, our anger, we, we suppress our anger, we suppress our anger. That's what resentment is. Okay, a anger comes out in different ways. We talked about righteous anger, there's rage. Rage is that vile, uh, it's just violent, it's aggressive, it's, a dr it's direct, it, it's just sudden, boom, it's explosive, and it's all-out war warfare. I'm going to get you, and you see me coming. Resentment's very subtle. It's passive-aggressive. Anybody passive-aggressive? You won't necessarily see me coming might be a little on the covert side. Uh, we always have weapons. Bless them if. But if not, not so much. We have weapons. Even as Christians, we have our weapons we use. So I want to start with uh, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Thank you. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. What a line. Be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. If you just take a moment and think about how we've been forgiven. I didn't earn it. It wasn't based on, uh, I'm, a, I'm a swell person. Look at Vicki, isn't she nice? Nope. It wasn't based on me at all. It was based on who God is. And scripture says that uh, he loved us first. Even while we were in enmity with him, he sent his son to pay the price for us. And somebody always pays. And that's what uh, um, um, 
forgiveness or unforgiveness is about. Unforgiveness is you hurt me in some way and you have got to pay. I'm going to make sure that you pay for offending me, for injuring me, for hurting me, because somebody's got to pay. You did it. You're paying the price. And when I think about the fact that Jesus already paid the price, he already paid the price. So who am I to insist that you still have to pay when the debt was already paid? So how do we handle how do we handle anger when we recognize it? And that's the first part. When you're in a situation, James 1, 19 and 20 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When I respond quickly to something, it's, it's a reaction. It's sort of knee-jerk. When we react to something, we don't take any time to think. What is the outcome I want from this situation? It doesn't give me any time to consider the other person. How, how, how do I want to leave the other person? Do I want to leave them looking like they got hit by a freight train just because I can? Or do I want to uh, um, do things, speak in a way that resolves the issue but doesn't attack the other person. And to do that, we have to step back. Be uh, um, quick to listen because you need to take in more information. You need to be able to step back and to breathe and take a moment and listen, uh, not only to the other person but also to the Holy Spirit. When I was in that situation, I'm cleaning, it's the Holy Spirit that, that draws me and says, wait, you got to consider this. And the same is true, that we have to take time. Sometimes it's just a misunderstanding, and if I'm willing to just hold myself for a minute and allow you to explain, this situation can be resolved. Slow to speak, because not everything that pops in my head ought to be verbalized. You know, not everything. You can't take it back. Once you've done it, you can't take it back. You cause harm. We cause harm to each other. We can't see it. We can't see it.
but every time we speak in anger and we say something uh, uh, to get back at somebody, we cut them. So we have to be slow and consider our words wisely. Because what we're really trying to do is resolve an issue or a situation. It doesn't have to be out full-out nuclear war where no one's left standing by the time we're done. There's a big difference between reacting to something and responding. And the big difference is reaction is sudden, without thought, boom, whatever's there, you're getting. And a response is I take time and I use my intelligence to consider what the outcome will be if I just unleash myself on others. So the first thing I'm going to do is collect myself. I'm going to step back and relook at the situation. And then I'm going to acknowledge I'm angry. Because with the little offenses, oftentimes we don't even know we're angry. Resentment is that pressing down. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to acknowledge it. Not the anger. So first I have to just acknowledge, yep, I'm mad. I'm mad. And then what's underneath the anger? Because there's always something underneath anger. Anger is a defensive mechanism. It's a way of protecting ourselves. So what, what really got disrupted or disturbed underneath? Look at that emotion and acknowledge it. And then deal with it quickly. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. In your anger, do not sin. So all anger is not sin. It's how we respond. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. We got to deal with it. We have to deal with our anger and the issue that's underneath the anger. If we don't, we just press it down. We keep pushing it down. Next offense, I pick it up, it's light, push it down. Next one, pick it up, push it down. Don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. Call those uh, peacekeepers, not peacemakers. Peacekeeper, meaning I don't want to say anything that's going to ruffle you, cause waves. I'll just stuff this feeling. I'm not going to talk about it. But what happens to it? It doesn't go anywhere. Do you ever see uh, sometimes on YouTube or they'll show it on, uh, on the news? The cr okay, excuse me, lady. The crazy lady who's in McDonald's and she's going berserk over I don't know what and I'm not leaving and she's ranting and raging and going on. 
and I love this part, because they always stop and say, what are you looking at? Are you kidding me? I mean, you can't look away. It's just so outrageous. It's so over the top. And you know it has nothing to do with the situation. And it's true about us, too. Sometimes something happens and poof, you know. Sam will say to me, okay, I want to talk about something. You know, get a hold of yourself. You know, just don't get upset. That's what he says. Don't get upset. He's saying to me, Vicki, I need you to hold your emotions because I want to talk about something. And I don't, you know, because my first, I, look, you might not know this about me, but I'm an emotional, passionate person. And when they get unleashed, wow! I'm telling you, he's, I'm so much better than when we were younger. Huh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> he needs a hearing aid. <laughs> and he'll be getting one on Monday. <laughs> That's passive aggressive. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm showing too much. <laughs> I don't even know where I was. Oh, the crazy lady. Oh, yeah. So sometimes, even ourselves, we react in such a way that even we have to step back and think, this is too much for this situation. There's something else. You know what it is? You've stored it. You stashed it. You pressed it down. You thought, oh, no big deal. And it was a big deal to you. We're never going to heal. We'll never heal if we keep just pressing it down, pressing it down, and not admitting I've been hurt and I was made to feel belittled or ridiculed or, or you looked over me, you didn't. You know, it's all those little things. And usually they trigger little things from our childhood that still haven't been dealt with. And it makes us very sensitive in that area. And when it happens, it's just larger than what it really is. And then we got to forgive no matter what. The scripture said, uh, forgive each other just as Christ forgave us. Man. When you, I, I don't want to say much about it. We've, that's a, that's a, I lay on my bed and I think about how was I forgiven? What mercy and compassion was I shown? And how often? And does it impact the way he loves me or the way he sees me? Those are the things. That's a personal, on my bed, I sit and think about and meditate about the goodness of God, what God has done for me, how faithful he is to me, even when I'm not faithful. Amen. So that's how to kind of um, handle anger when, we, when, when we're experiencing it. Deal with it. But I want to also talk about... Um, Ways, things we do that sort of set us up. I don't know that I'm explaining this very well, but I'm going to keep going, and, and I, I bet you you'll catch up with me. The first thing is sometimes we have unrealistic expectations of other people. 
and situations. I got an idea of how this should all play out. My, my, young, my youngest son, he thought he'd be retired by 30. Nope. It was an unrealistic expectation. So you can't be angry because you're 30 and you're, and you're not retired yet. Sometimes we, we, we get angry because we put unrealistic expectations on other people. And then when they're human and they just can't, we begin to get angry and resentful and grudges and I did all this and I did that. And then what I expected from them, they weren't able to come through on. And it causes resentment. So we have to be careful about that. Uh, I kind of talked about this already, but we have to be willing to have honest, direct talks, uh, difficult conversations, but in a loving, non-judgmental way. When I was younger, I had a friend. Um, I met her through church, and very quickly, um, she, she was single, and she lived with her mom. She didn't drive. Her mom didn't drive. Her sister didn't drive. They all lived together. And she'd call, and she'd say, you know, things aren't good at the apartment. Can I come by your house and hang out? And it'd be like, yeah, I'll come pick you up. And then it went from there to she didn't drive. Could you take my mom to the doctor's? Can you take me to the doctor's? I need to go to the bank. I need to go to the grocery store. Um, and I found I was becoming resentful. I really felt used, to be honest. I said to Sam, the only time she calls now is when she needs a ride somewhere. I didn't say anything. Well, one night, and it must have been towards late fall, um, she called. She said, Vicki, can you take me to Kroger's? And I said, I'm in my pajamas. Can I take you tomorrow? She said, no, I really need to go today. OK, so I went and got dressed, and I went and picked her up, and I took her to Kroger's. And she came out. <laughs> you can hear it. She came out with a bag of chips and pop. <laughs> I was so angry. I thought, wait a second now. I got up off the couch and got out of my pajamas. I'm young. I got three kids. I have a house to run. I got responsibilities that I've taken on outside of the house. And you called me to get up so you could have a bag of chips and pop. I wouldn't have even gotten up to get myself some. So I didn't say nothing. I dropped her off. But being a passive aggressive kind of person I am, I know she knew I was hot because it was oozing all over the car. But she called again, and she asked me to take her somewhere, and I said, okay, I will. And when I took her back came the difficult conversation. Now, here's the good part about it. I didn't do it when I was so angry. I held off, and I thought about what is it you really want. And so I said to her, Rita, I can't be your first call every time you need to go somewhere. I can't be the person that constantly is driving you. You need to try and find one or two other people. And if you do and they cannot, call me. I'll be more than happy to take you. But I cannot be your first call all the time. It was a, it, it, I think it was a very well handled situation. It was a difficult call, um, talk to have. But it had to be had. Now, there are consequences. Uh, she broke off the relationship after that. <laughs> okay? So, but if it was a good friend, would, would that have 
killed a relationship, do you think? No. She wrote a letter saying how unchristian I was and then mailed it to the head of our prayer group leader. When the wife to the prayer group leader asked me, Vicki, do you want to read the letter? I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I understand it, it came from brokenness. I understand I disappointed her. But sometimes I, you can't be everything for somebody else. It, I heard this the other week. Uh, every need is not a calling. I love that. Every need is not a calling. Jesus is meant to meet all our needs. But I'm not. Vicki's not meant to meet everybody's needs. And just because, listen, there are a million good things out there, necessary things. But I have to ask myself, do I have the time? Do I have the energy? Do I have the passion? And do I have the skill? And then ask the Lord, what do you think? You know, we are all at different points in our lives, different seasons in our lives. You know, I have much more free time now than I did when my kids were small. You know, and, and we have to realize we only have so much energy. We're stewards of everything, which includes our time. And if I have small children and I'm out saving the world, I'm doing an, a disservice, an injustice to my own kids. And there is fallout. There is fallout. I want to end with... Uh, uh, oh, let me give you one more uh, preventative thing. If you're not somebody who can say no, learn to. Learn to say no. You don't have to say yes to everything. When I was younger, I thought I did because I thought it was unchristian to say no. Nope, it's realistic. There's only so much time, so much energy. You're not called to everything. And, and don't be worried about what are people going to say if I say no. Well, if you're... you're way of looking at me goes down because I told you, no, I'm sorry, but I don't have the time or energy for that right now. It's a great cause, and maybe in a couple years. Who's getting hurt when we say yes, when we really should have said no? I want to end with uh, Psalms 4, uh, verses 3 through 5. Uh, this is um, David. He's already king. I, I think of the years that he spent with Saul chasing him. You know, living in caves and, and just trying to stay ahead of him. And, and he finally gets on the throne and then his son uh, decides, you know, he'd like the throne instead. And so now David is on the run from his own, his own kid and all the people that his son has talked into sort of going against David. And so that's when Psalms 4 was written. But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. He will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. 
meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. What sound advice? Be angry, but do not sin. Meditate in your heart. What is he meditating on? He's meditating on all the ways that God was there for him and watched over him. First there's a shepherd out in the field, and then as, as Saul continually chases him for years, trying to, to get rid of him. All the ways that God was faithful. How about the fact that uh, uh, he took Bathsheba, and then he had uh, her husband put in the front line and basically murdered when he told everybody back up and leave him out there. All the ways that God moved on his behalf. How merciful he was to him and how he took care of his anointed. Offer the sacrifice of righteousness. A sacrifice. It costs us to live righteously in an unrighteous, unjust world. It's a sacrifice, but one that somebody has to pay, right? When there's an offense, we know when there's sin, somebody has to pay. But the truth is Jesus already paid it. It's already been paid. And put your trust in the Lord. He says, vengeance is mine. He will repay. He'll work it out. But we have to do our part. We have to keep our side of the street clean. My father used to say this. I'll go back to the big rock, the little rock. My father used to say this. He said, nobody ever tripped over a mountain, but the anthill will get you every time. The anthill is in the crack. So we all have heard the importance of forgiveness and, and dealing with our stuff. And, you know, we're forgiven the way we forgive others and, and it, it, the way we measure people, we're going to be measured. And so we know all that, right? And when it's a big offense, it's too heavy to carry around, we put it down. But watch out for the little ones that are so easy for us to ignore because Resentment grows, and as it grows, it turns to bitterness. And before you know it, you're angry, you're hateful, because it changes how we see others, it changes how we respond to others. I want to wish all you dads, fathers, a happy Father's Day. May God bless you.